Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. If you have our Save the Cowboy app, you're cool. I'll leave it at that. If you have the Save the Cowboy app and you are cool, you, there's actually a Bible on there. I'm just letting you know for y'all cool kids. And, um, but speaking of Texas, I, I was in, uh, anybody here know where Alpine, Texas is? Uh, Alpine, Texas, if you've ever been there, it's a cool little, when I say mountain town, it ain't, we're not talking about Leadville or anything, okay, not that kind of mountain town, but a Texas mountain town. And, 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 it, and it's really a cool little town, an old railroad town. There's Solrath State University is there. And, um, but the town, the main thoroughfare through town is actually two roads, and they're one-ways. So, you know, you go a couple of blocks, and there's a four-way stop. You go a couple of blocks, and there's a four-way stop. You go a couple of blocks, and there's a four-way stop. I think there may be one like there now, even though it's a college town. It's just kind of an old-fashioned little town. I used to live there, and I was I was driving one day, and and why I remember this so vividly, you'll remember, you'll find out in just a second. But I'm driving, and I'm behind a flatbed bumper pull trailer, like a 16-foot trailer, and I remember thinking, my gosh, that's probably a heavy load because it had all this like two-inch fast line, which is black black pipe that a lot of ranchers and oil field use, and it's comes on like these thousand foot rolls. And so I'm behind this guy. And so, you know, you kind of pull up to a four-way stop and then you go, you know, he goes and then I go. And uh, we got up there a little ways and I'm just sitting there. And have you ever had something happen when you can see it happening and it's like in slow motion and you just grin because there's, there's nothing you can do about it? Well, I pull up to this four-way stop and, you know, behind this, this truck and trailer and, um, you know, it stops. And then this other lady, she pulls up in this beautiful Cadillac. Beautiful, brand new Cadillac. He pulls up, he pulls up. Now for some of you Colorado drivers that don't know what a four-way stop is, you take turns. You know why they don't have roundabouts in Texas? Because we would kill people. I still ain't figured out a roundabout yet. So. We go in and everybody puts their hands on the ceiling and we shut our eyes and we scream when we hit a roundabout. I just floor it. And so anyway, but a four-way stop is totally different. And so the truck and a big dooley with a big flatbed trailer filled with all this heavy stuff. I mean, the trailer squatted. He pulls up and stops. She pulls up and stops. He goes and she lets the truck pass by and then she just takes off and runs right in between the truck and trailer. Well, I guess she sees what is happening like a second too late because her front is right in between the truck and trailer. Well, the truck never sees her because he's already passed. And he just, whoa. And I just, <laughs> I see what's happening. I just grin. I just put it in park and hit my flashers before anything has even happened yet. And it takes the front end of that brand new Cadillac and rips the entire front end of it off. All you can see is like motor. I am laughing. I just laugh and laugh, and then I kind of compose myself, and I get out, and I walk over there, and there was no, like, front impact, because she pulled up and stopped, and then the trailer, when he went, the tires grabbed the front of that Cadillac and just ripped the front of that Cadillac off. And, of course, I got over there, and I'm the first one to this lady. She's sitting here like this. <laughs> I walk up like this, and I'm like, ma'am? 
ma'am, excuse me, ma'am. I said, are you okay, ma'am? Ma'am, are you injured? She looks at me. She said, I'm on a test drive. a spiritual gift called solemnity. I don't know if I don't even know if that's how you say it, but I went. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I'll never forget the look on her face. She was like, have you ever seen somebody that is mortified? That's what that was. I guarantee you, if she could have willed herself into non-existence, she would have done that. But, oh my gosh, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not really laughing at her. Thank goodness I was not in her shoes. But, you know, I just remember that look, like paralyzed with absolute fear. And, you know, and it's not the kind of scary, you know, of, of uh, you know, like somebody dying or anything, but just absolutely paralyzed with fear. What had been such a great adventure. I mean, can you think one block? Because the, 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 the dealership was on the other corner. She had literally pulled out of the dealership, pulled up to a stop sign and wrecked. And um, what started out as a great adventure, I'm test driving a new Cadillac. Uh, it turned bad in a hurry. What had been such a great adventure, you know, now she was wanting to hide from, you know. In Luke chapter 24, there's some other people that had been on a three-year grand adventure. I mean, you want to talk about things that they saw, things that they heard, things that they witnessed. I mean, they saw God in action, but something had happened that had crashed their world. Something had happened that had them absolutely paralyzed with fear. And in Luke chapter 24, you find 11 of the disciples hiding in a room. Because see, the one that they thought was the Son of God, the one that had told them everything that would happen, see, he'd been crucified. He was the Messiah, but the Messiah they thought was supposed to come rescue them from Roman occupation, that he was going to be some political savior, and he didn't do nothing about Rome. He didn't get no politics or anything. But see, he was a savior. He came and he died to save us from eternal punishment. He did what we couldn't do. But see, Jesus is dead. He's been dead for three days. They've locked themselves in a room. They're hiding because they think, hey man, they killed our boss. They're looking for us. They're going to string us up too. And these same cowboys that said, we will die for you, Jesus, are cowering in a room. Hey, pardon me for just a second. We're fixing to hit the backside of this pasture, so it's time to step off and cinch them up. While we're down here, I want to see if you can help us out. We really do need a hand in this ministry, and the fact that you're listening right now means that you're riding with us. All you have to do is text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977, and you can help us out in less time than it would take to pull your rope down. Again, text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. Thanks for the hand, pards. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 and 37. And just as they were telling about it, and and I I have to say this, they, as two of the disciples, are walking 
on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appears to them, but he doesn't let them know that it's him, and he explains everything to them, and then he lets them recognize him. And so these two disciples run into the upper room, and they're telling the rest of the cowboys in there, like, hey, man, we just saw Jesus. He's alive, blah, blah, blah. So that's where it is. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them, and he says, peace be with you. Now, I, I put terms in cowboys, and I'm not trying to change the word of God or anything. I, I just know that God is a personal God, and, and I like to, to put things in, in, in things that we can understand because sometimes the Bible, it was written so long ago in a different language and, and, and all of this stuff that sometimes we have a disconnection. I mean, I, I can see you know, 11 cowboys in this room, and Jesus appears, and he says, Hey, cowboys, how are you? That's, that, that's the sense here. But the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. See, they had been on this grand, grand, great adventure. Then their world was torn apart. The front end of everything that they believed in was torn apart. And now Jesus is knocking on the window. Hey, cowboys, how are y'all? Last week we talked about how God is dangerous. I know last week, you know, we, we preached the good news here, and this is good news. But a lot of you were, were raised with, with God is waiting to smite you, that if you did anything wrong, that God is mad at you. And that is, that is the furthest thing from the truth. The Bible says, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us with a love that we cannot imagine. But make no mistake about it, God is a holy God, and His holiness is dangerous. I mean, he went, His Ark of the Covenant where the tablet of Moses', Moses his Ten Commandments were in there, and, and, and Aaron's staff was in there, and some manna was in there. Some, you had to have wood. You couldn't even touch this thing, or he'd kill you. And, and it nearly fell over one time, and the guy reaches out to steady it, and it kills him, not because God killed him for touching it. It's just that God's pure holiness is too much for our sinful natures to, to come into contact with. Moses wanted to see God, and God said, you can't see my face and live, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass by you like this so you can just see my backside. Because that, that's all you can handle. God's holiness is dangerous. But the cool thing about it is God called us to be dangerous also. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter tells us, hey, remember when God said, be holy because I am holy. God wants us to be dangerous, but you know what? Fear is the enemy of holiness. You cannot be dangerous hiding out in the upper room. You can't be dangerous if your hearts are filled with doubt. You know, and, and, and we look back and go, well, why were those guys worried? Because Jesus told them, hey, they're going to kill me. I'm going to be dead, and I'm going to come back on the third day. He said, this temple, uh, this sacrificial system that is set up, man, I'm going to tear all of that away, not because it's bad, because I'm fulfilling it. No more does there have to be sacrifices anymore because I'm going to become the one and pure sacrifice that will happen, that, that we'll never have to sacrifice anything else again. All you have to do is believe in me. He told them all of this stuff, yet they're, they're crying and, and, and they're wigging out. You can't be dangerous if you're hiding out in the upper room. You can't be dangerous with hearts filled with doubt. In verse 38, still in Luke 24, Jesus says, Why are y'all so scared? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it is really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands 
in His feet. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to live holy lives. That doesn't mean that, you know, living a holy life doesn't mean staying away from sin. See, that's morality. Morality is not doing wrong things. Doing things the way God says to do them is living a holy life. And a holy life is a dangerous life. The one thing a dangerous Christian will never have is this. A dangerous Christian will be used by God to change their own lives, lives of others, and even the lives of their enemies from ordinary to extraordinary. God will use a dangerous Christian, somebody that's doing things His way, not their own way, not picking and choosing which route they want to follow. When you follow God's Word, you're going to be a dangerous Christian, and that dangerous Christian is a danger to those living by the world's standards. They're chasing money, that's doing this, and, and thinking that all these things are going to make them happy. A dangerous Christian knows that God is the only thing that can fulfill him. A dangerous Christian will be used by God for all these things, but they won't have one thing. A dangerous Christian will actually save people from hell and give them a life without pain, sorrow, or suffering. But they won't have one thing. A dangerous Christian will tell mountains to get up and throw themselves in the sea, but they won't have one thing. You know, I have been with many people, and, and, and this, this isn't... Sometimes people think that I'm criticizing. I'm not. I used to be one of these people, but you know, I, I've been, there, there was one time I was gathering cattle in a pasture and this pasture had irrigation ditches, cement irrigation ditches, they're all over uh, Texas part of the country, and we had to go out and get in front of some cattle that were going the wrong way, and if we didn't, we wasn't going to lose them, nobody was going to die, but it was going to ruin about three hours worth of riding, hard riding through brush. And so when we saw them break, me and another guy, and there were several of us there, but me and another guy, man, we whooped and we spurred, and I mean, we are tearing out across here. Well, I was so busy trying to know where the cattle were through this brush, we got to one of those cement irrigation ditches and there was no time to stop. Well, up and spur, look down, uh-oh, and over we went, me and the other guy. And I mean, we're still whooping and spurring. We went through a an old prairie dog town, which will just make you pucker and slide your, your toes to the, the backside of the stirrups. And, and, and y'all that, that have been through this, you understand what I'm talking about. But we got over there and we got, the, we got the cattle turned and we got them going in the right direction. And it was like another five minutes. Here comes the others. Trot, 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 trot. Like, where y'all been? Oh, man, we, y'all, there was a ditch there. Yeah, there was a ditch. And there was an old prairie dog town with holes. Yeah. Well, we were scared that we would fall or that we would fall off. See, too many people live this cautious life because in order to be a dangerous Christian, the one thing that you will never have is safety. Nowhere does God say, you know what, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Nowhere does He say, your horse is not going to step in a gopher hole. Nowhere does He say in the spiritual aspect of it, He says, I will be there with you. But He never says, I'm not ever going to let anything bad happen. Because when you live a dangerous life of a Christian, there is no such thing as safety. There's no such thing as cowboying safely. Too many of us are riding, you know, we want to be cowboys, but we want to be safe cowboys. We want to be sure that nothing bad ever happens. And in and, and all reality, when you're doing things, when you're truly cowboying and you're truly riding for God, it's not a safe arena. The life of a dangerous Christian will never be safe. For a true follower of God, there is no guarantee of safety. 
There is no assurance that people are going to be kind to you. Actually, it's the opposite of it. For a true follower of God, somebody that's riding for God's outfit, there is no promise that you won't lose friends or family. There is none. For a true follower of God, there is no lifeboat to keep you safe in the storm. I love, this is actually on my, on my phone, you know the little lock screen, is this right here. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. And that's what we need in today's world are dangerous Christians. We need warriors that are out there that aren't afraid that their entire prayers aren't for safety. And in Acts chapter 4, we see these same 11 cowboys, these same 11 followers of Jesus, these same 11 disciples. In verse 18, Peter and I believe it's John, they've been arrested and they basically, the, the religious institution of the day has released them and said, okay, we're going to release you, but if you ever preach in Jesus' name or you ever preach that Jesus Christ is the Messiah again, we're going to kill you. That's what they've said in a nutshell. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John said this, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling everybody what we've seen and heard. And then, and then in verse 29, it says this. Now, they've been released. And when we go on down, they meet and they are in prayer. Listen to these prayers. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. You would think that right then that they would say safety. Don't you? They have threatened to kill them, and, and, and they're praying, and they say, Oh, now, and now, oh Lord, hear their threats against us, and give us your servants great boldness. Not once do they ever ask to keep them safe. Great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Not one time do they pray for their own safety. Because they know that living a dangerous and holy life is what God has called us to do. And when we do this, that it is dangerous. They don't ask for their own safety. And you know, in studying for this, I started thinking about my own prayers. And did you know that nearly every single prayer I prayed had something to do with keep my wife and my kids and my family and my friends and the congregation, keep them all safe. No more am I going to pray that. I'm going to say, please allow my wife, please allow my kids, my friends, my family, my congregation. God, I pray that they are bold because that's what's going to change lives. Not us saying that we're Christians. The disciples never quit really believing in Jesus, but they were hiding in the room until they came face to face with the resurrected Jesus. And a lot of you have come spiritually face to face with the resurrected Jesus, but we're hiding in the upper room still. We are called to be dangerous Christians, holy Christians, not merely staying away from sin, but living lives the way God says to. What the disciples did not pray for, they did not pray for harm not to come their way. They prayed for boldness. They didn't pray for all the bad people to stop being mean. They prayed for boldness. They didn't pray for no gopher holes in the pastures of life. 
They prayed for boldness to ride where others were too scared. Do you want... Here, here, here we are. We're at that magical moment. Do you want to experience a miraculous life? You want a life of adventure, one that's filled with meaning and purpose, or are we content just to hide in our upper rooms, afraid that somebody's going to think bad of us or call us some holy roller or something like that? I don't even know what that is. Do you want a miraculous life? Do you want to be capable of things that you never dreamed were possible? Do you want to experience the power of God, the true power of God in your life? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit that God offers to every believer? Because it says this, after this prayer, after the disciples prayed for boldness, they didn't pray for safety, they prayed for boldness. This is what the Bible says in Acts 4, 31. After this prayer, the meeting shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. I want that for every single one of you. I want your lives to be shaken. And I want you to experience God, not just talk about Him, not just kind of know what He looks like, you know, because Jesus had long hair and blue eyes and spoke English, you know. I mean, He's American Jesus, American Fabio Jesus. No, I want you to come face to face with God, not, not some semblance of Him. I want you to experience Him. I want you to know Him. And you can't do that being afraid in the upper room. The keys to courageous living, here they are. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus himself, God in human form, says this, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will find it. See, if you are always trying to protect yourself, you're not going to have life. It doesn't mean that God's going to kill you or anything. You're, you're just going to waste away. And what's that old saying that everybody dies, but not everybody lives? The, the church is dying because we're still hiding in our rooms. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want each of y'all to have life. I would rather you have a real life for one day than the next 30 years locked away, hiding, filled with fear and doubt in an upper room somewhere. The keys to courageous living. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Matthew 6, 25. The next key to courageous living of boldness is in 2 Timothy 1, 7. Listen to this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, strength under control. You are the most dangerous human being in this world. God will give you the power to transform lives, starting with your own, radiating out into your spouse, into your kids, into your neighborhood, into your workplace, into your community, into your county, into your state, into our nation, into the world. You are dangerous if you choose to follow God. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of fear and timidity, but of power, of love and self-discipline. And the third one, in Luke twenty-two thirty-six, 36, Jesus is talking and he said, but now take your money in a traveler's bag and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Now, I'm not telling you to go buy a sword. You can if you want, show it to me. I'd like to see it, okay? But what he's saying is, I am calling you to a dangerous life, and it will be dangerous, and you can defend yourself. That is not to go on the attack, and we're going to have another, you know, crusades where we go out killing people in, in God's name. If they come at us, we'll take them, no matter who they are. But this is a dangerous life that you are called to. This is no, I mean, the good news is that Jesus is strong. He's powerful. He has overcome the world, and he's going to do it through y'all. Now, some of you are sitting there 
and you are so consumed with fear, so consumed with doubt, that this is going to go in one ear and out the other. But for those others, those others that feel God talking to you in their heart right now, asking you to come alive for Him, I encourage you, take up the sword, which is God's Word. Live your lives like God says to live them. And if you want a good starting place, we talked about one last week, Psalm 15. Psalm 15. I'm going to read it in the Simplified Cowboy Version. Boss, who can throw a bedroll down by your fire? Who can throw his horse in your corrals that sit on the most holy of mountains? Whoever lives a life without blame does the right thing every time and who speaks without lies or deceit. Those that do not talk about people behind their back or bring harm to another cowboy or even say something about their neighbor that can be taken as an insult. Those that have nothing to do with anyone who knowingly lives in sin and denies your word, but who ride, who wants to ride with those who follow him, that keep their word no matter what, even when it is inconvenient to do so. Those who lend money without interest and lend a hand without expecting payback. Those who would never take a bribe to lie about an innocent person. These cowboys will be unshakable. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.